Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash voices in my head. That's audibletrial.com slash voices in my head. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. That's audibletrial.com slash voices in my head. Give it a try today. Welcome to Voices in My Head, the official podcast of me, Rick Lee James. I'm a recording artist, a singer, songwriter, an author, a worship leader, and an ordained minister in the Church of the Nazarene. The Voices in My Head podcast is your source for discussions on music, literature, movies, pop culture, theology, and more. Now sit back, relax, and listen to the latest episode of the Voices in My Head podcast. And don't forget to let the voices in your head be heard by following me on Twitter at Rick Lee James and sharing your thoughts about today's show. Dr. Neelam Upal is an author, a speaker, and an activist. Working as an infectious disease specialist in New York City, New York, she is the survivor of domestic abuse and bullying in the workplace, but she is also an overcomer. She is originally from East India, where the medical profession is highly dominated by males, so to even be a doctor, she has had to overcome a lot. Today, she's here to share some of her story and to talk to her to us about being an advocate for the rights of others. So, Dr. Upal, welcome to the Voices in My Head podcast. Thank you. Now, I'm fascinated to hear a little bit more about your story. I am a person who has always lived in the United States, so I'm very interested in hearing the experience of people that come to us from other countries and sort of where they have come from and what their background is. And uh, and you're such a fascinating person. Uh, you, you must... Uh, in my mind, because I'm a musician and I think more in, in terms of arts and things like that, um, I always think, man, doctors must be so smart. I can't imagine the amount of work that you must put in uh, to doing the profession that you have. But I wonder if you could tell us just a little bit about your background of maybe growing up in East India and uh, what led you to the medical profession in the first place. Uh I, I did my um, schooling and medical school uh, in India. Uh, growing up, uh, I was a, a, a very smart kid in my class. So we used to have positions in India, like when there's a test. And I had a record throughout my primary school uh, that I always stood first in my class. And then in my pre-med, I was you know, first in the university among girls. So I always did have a, a educational uh, background where I did do better than the other people. So I think that kind of gave me confidence that you know I was smarter than my peers. Sure. And in India, it is very competitive to get into med school, and in. Uh, our batch, there were about 7,500 applicants, and there was only 12 seats for the girls. So, so it was pretty uh, hard to get in, and so uh, I was glad I made it. But uh, all, so all doctors from India are pretty smart because it is a very competitive field, and like you said, it's very male dominated. 
most of the government schools would have 200 men and two girls wow in my med school wow. yeah in my med school it was called christian medical college and they were more uh, it was uh, actually a college started by a female physician who wanted uh, women in the society to come up and her name was dr brown and so in our college we had uh, equal uh, boys and girls so there was it was a class of 50 so there was 25 boys 25 girls but then out of that there was 12 christians and 13 non-christians hmm. so that was the competition and which alternated every year so uh so it was very pretty competitive but it was a, a motivation of somebody in the 1800s that this college was established in like 1860 and uh, for more women to become doctors so i was very proud to be you know a female uh, who graduated from that college because women were actually really supported but uh, and the, the the story that i wrote was the sexual harassment that throughout my career after when i came to united states in every residency program it was same thing there would be 20 uh, residents per level and there would be two or three girls mm-hmm. so it was even in united states when i trained it was still a very male dominated profession uh, even when i went into practice in the lunch room uh, it would be sometimes all men or sometimes there would be just one other woman mm-hmm. and that's when a lot of such uh, uh incident started happening where when i first started in uh, the 80s uh, my practice in, in new jersey uh, one of the older doctor commented hey what do you need to advertise just wear a low line neck and put your photograph up oh my goodness so yeah uh, in, in a room full of men and everybody started laughing hmm so I was so embarrassed and but it it was it was like all my life it was one thing after the other I was always and I wanted to stand up for myself I'm a person who uh uh for the domestic abuse like you said I'm one of the few ones who actually ended up in a divorce which was a no no people live in the violence and they're totally subservient hmm. but i wanted to stand up against that and my aunt who was a professor of hindi in um, columbia university she wrote a book on it hmm. and the book is called morche m o r c h a and it's probably one of the things that now india has so much laws against domestic violence and it's become a big thing and that book is actually on the curriculum of some of the universities in india wow. so uh yeah so i know i stood up for myself but i did go through the abuse and now it was the sexual harassment and so all my life at every step and every time i w- was shy about it and tell anybody about it kept quiet about it uh but kept wanted to fight it 
So now when uh, I was older and when an incident happened uh, where a physician called me, he was actually a covering medical director and he was actually an ER physician and he said he wanted to review my medical records. And uh, he called me to the emergency room and then made me sit on the bed. I thought he was just going to, you know, review something. Hmm. And he comes, he sits down next to me and puts his arm around me. I was so scared. I stood up and walked out of the room. Hmm. And then this guy started taking action on me. And I am still fighting it because uh, that's when I said, I'm like, there's so many laws, there's so many things, but nothing works. So all my life I have been, you know, fighting sexual harassment. Hmm. Uh, so my friend at that time said, the laws don't work because you don't do anything about them. I said, you know what? Uh, by this time, I was in my 40s. I said, you know what? If I don't stand up and do anything about it, Everybody's like this. Everybody's scared. Nobody wants their dirty linen to be, you know, washed in public. Sure. And so I'm, I said, I am going to do something about it. And so I got an attorney and I started fighting him. So he starts suspending me. And after that, it's I filed a federal court a, a, a case. And it's like every step is a fight, but nobody supports you. Hmm. Even my own, yeah, even my own friends, like on the hearing, this one gentleman said, okay, we'll put your friends on, let's just get you out of this mess. They're like, Neil, I'm, uh, we're not getting on there because we'll help you and then they'll start coming after us. So we are a m minority being, you know, Asian female physicians, you know, with five, ten of them, and there are probably 500 of them. Yeah. So, so nobody would even come to support me. So here I did try to stand up for myself, and but what I now figure it's not just myself; it's the system. Hmm. I, I'm standing up against the system in this male-dominated uh, physician. You know, it, there's a lot of nurses that are women, but physicians are. And, but as times coming, you know. There's more female physicians, so it's for all those female physicians now that I'm fighting for, is, is it's the system that where we as women don't have enough people, you know, enough women in in the in that system to support each other. So the and half the women who are there they are still subservient to the men. So mm. they are actually supporting them to continue the harassing actions. Mm. So it, it's so it, so that's why I'm glad you're doing this because I'm now wanting this issue to come out there where people can analyze that, you know, women to be considered equal as men. And if they're not, and if a woman wants that right, that she should be supported. And so what I am facing right now is a lot of retaliation. Started having a lot of false allegations on me and false actions because now they wanted to show that, oh, she's some kind of a bad doctor. We are not, you know, harassing her. 
So then I, I'm still fighting that, that things that never happened, they're like stories made against me. And so, but I thought initially I thought it was just me, but now when I start seeing a lot of other cases and other stories, it's the same exact pattern. So, so I'm trying to break this pattern. Sure. And I was, what I was going to ask, actually, if you don't mind me for just a moment, uh, didn't mean to interrupt you, but um it, it's i was wondering if whenever you began to speak out about some of the things you had been through and some of the systemic problems that had uh, that you had been facing um were there a lot of other women that were coming forward as a result of you sort of being a voice for them well there were a lot of women who told me that this is exactly what happened to them but they wouldn't come forward I had at least three more female physicians, uh, and one of them was actually my best friend. She stopped talking to me that they are going to come out. They're doing this to her because of me. So, um, so the situation is that the whole the whole uh, so- social problem were. St- there is sexual harassment. I, I mean, of course, uh, we are human beings, and there would be always a female-to-male attraction. But that's where the control has to be, mm-hmm. and that's what needs to be really enforced for women to be able to do what they want to do uh, to their uh, skills and their capabilities uh, to the maximum they can do, but they're not allowed to because it becomes a competition and it could be financial, you know, power, money, whatever is the competition where the woman gets suppressed. And recently between Hillary and Trump, I, I felt a lot of it was also because Hillary was a woman that she sure. didn't make it. Sure. So, well, and and so, as, you, as you're telling your story, you know, and I'm, I'm thinking of situations like that, I mean, we definitely knew in advance uh, what kind of a person uh, President Trump was. I mean, we have so much evidence in his background of the harassment against women. And uh, and it, it's like it didn't matter to so many people um, because, well, they just didn't want yes. Hillary. And, and then as that's going on, and, you know, and he has numerous lawsuits against him for that, we also have cases like um, there's the Silicon Valley thing that's happening um, right now with Uber. There are situations like Bill Cosby's. Uh, very high profile case yes. um, and and on and on and yes. on and so um, not just in the medical field but I think that we see it's a systemic problem uh, and it might be a problem with with men in general in in, in uh, much of our culture and maybe in some of the ways that even uh, manhood is sometimes passed on in unhealthy ways that objectifies women rather than seeing them as equal. And so um, someone like yourself, who I see as such a, a brilliant doctor and someone who is an author and someone who's a speaker and, and is there now speaking out on behalf of others, um, you, you could probably uh, run rings around so many men in your field in what you do and with the, with the research that you've done. And yet sometimes probably just because of the, the, the simple fact that you are a woman, the recognition maybe has not been there that you have deserved in that regard. Would you say that's accurate? Yes, I would. Actually, my mother says that too, <laughs> that 
things that I have accomplished, if I would have been her son, I would have been more recognized. That's exactly what she says. Well, we we need our mothers, don't we? They they uh, they are our biggest yes. fans. That's for sure. I know my mom is my biggest fan for sure. So, um, well, I'm yes. I'm I'm interested to know a little bit, and and obviously, feel free to take the conversation where you would like. Um, but I'm interested to know um, about the way that that you're advocating, um, maybe some of the ways that you're advocating on behalf of the rights of others as well, and and not just simply for yourself, because I know you've been through a lot, um, but are you finding a lot of new opportunity as you speak out um, that other people really are in need of of the type of things that you're saying, and and has there been um, a way that you've been able to encourage some women to actually be, begin to take action when I know it must be scary because this is our li- you know this is our livelihood or or if or if women are um, thinking am I going to have a job if I speak up or what happens if I speak out should I just go along and so I know that you know it takes courage for someone like you to be able to speak up on behalf of these how how has this played out for what you're doing uh, on behalf of other women have you seen it begin to make any difference in your circles. Uh, no, it's still being pretty hard. I'm still in the middle of fights. I had I the reason why I'm saying that I know a lot of people in, are in this situation because uh, actually there was uh, on the National Organization of Women of New York City they actually sent out uh, uh, you know uh, a letter you know to participate sending your stories because. Uh, they did feel also that this is a growing problem like an epidemic where there's sexual harassment and discrimination against women. So that's where my platform was uh, still, is to support the National Organization of Women uh, who are also trying to fight. But when it comes to that individual incident, like now now I'm facing this, because I took that uh, effort, uh, you know, uh, made a determination I'm not going to stand this. So I am really, like you said, if I'm not going to have a job, that's exactly what's happening. Everybody is trying, because the case is in the federal court, they're trying to make, you know, false allegations on me. And so I have to fight that. So the, you do get a lot of uh, suppression from the other side because usually the people who are able to harass you uh, are people in power and position hmm. and so once uh, in my case the, the 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 person actually then had his partner at the board of medicine so i had even you know more severe complaints on me so yes it is pretty hard but the thing is, that's why, it, you know, it's like one drop after the other makes an ocean. So it is one case after the other that will, cre- you know, change the system. But the thing is to to have that, that it's not just personal, but what I say is that if I win this case, I make a precedent for all the other cases, all other women, all other females, where, where, if there is, because there are laws, but the laws are not being followed. Why? Because there is so, 
even in the legal system and the political system and maybe the healthcare system, because it's so male-dominated, there is so much corruption or, uh, you know, I, I call it fraud and corruption, mm-hmm. that they the papers will disappear, your filings will disappear, papers will change, documents will change. It, it, it's, it's, so it's not been easy. And uh, all the attorneys I would get, they would file motions to sanction the attorneys. So a lot of times I'm fighting it as pro se. And when I ask agencies like now or um, any other uh, legal agencies, I don't get the support because they're like, oh, everybody says I'm being sexually harassed. Everybody says this. They they don't take those cases on because my complaints went through EEOC. Mm-hmm. They won't take those complaints. Their reason is, oh, we don't have the money. This will need litigation. Mm-hmm. So so there's different different situations. So in the end, yes, my case, if I win, it proves justice. It proves equality for women. It it, it promotes that in the society. But on the other hand, people who don't want to see this are stronger hmm. because people who are going through this don't have that much support. So I'm not just saying that for myself because uh, uh, I just uh, saw a, a show of one of Kelly Megan's new shows and she did a lady who had been through sexual harassment. And she was making a comment that everybody starts saying maybe she was the bad person, maybe she was this, maybe she was. So, uh, so, so it's so I figure it, it, it's the standard in every case where once the perpetrator is put on a stand, of course they will deny it. They, they're going to do everything to protect themselves. But the thing is, the system is supporting them rather than the victims. Right. And that's where this problem is going out of hand. And and that's and it's the, not just me. It's yeah, I was just going to say that's where the, the point of struggle always is, is when the people who have power over other people are the ones that are doing the harassing, it's very difficult. And It's interesting you mentioned Megan Kelly. I, I just finished reading her book that she wrote, sort of her life story, and uh, she also is one... Uh, that she tells in the book uh, numerous stories of being in the news field and and uh, stories of sexual harassment that she came up against herself, and uh, and and she's you know worked very hard as a professional and and she's had everyone from the head of her news network to President Trump himself that have have strongly harassed her and and have often um, the the real yes. pro- the real problem is when. When people who are in power can hold that power over the other people and the people underneath are powerless to do anything, and that's a real injustice that, you know, it's it's close to my heart as a Christian because um, I believe that we are supposed to be speaking out for those who are lower and those who are not able to speak for themselves and sort of be the voice for the voiceless in those situations. And, um, and, and I'm curious with... Um, you know, I, I know ultimately the goal for you, because you are a doctor, is you want to practice medicine and and you want to be a healer. And uh, just knowing a little bit of your own background, uh, being that you have backgrounds both in Hindu and in Christianity, um, both of those faiths really are are about um, 
alleviating sufferings in many ways. And, and I, I know much more about uh, the Christian side of things, but I really uh, strongly believe that whatever we can do to help those in need, that we should be um, seeking to do that uh, from, from that place of uh, just speaking out and sort of being the prophetic voice on behalf of others who can't speak. And um, so I, I guess what I, what I want to ask you for, for people who may be listening today, and there may be some women out there that um, it's, it's obvious just from news headlines alone that uh, this problem is is very far reaching, and so what I'd like to ask you that there may be people listening who they themselves have experienced a similar situation as yours, or they may have family members uh, that have experienced a situation similar as yours, and they may want to say, "Hey, I want to help out um, with Dr. Upal's case and and what she's trying to do on behalf of people who are oppressed." Is, is there somewhere that you would point them where maybe they could get in contact with you, or a way that they could help out and, and maybe share their story uh, I think it's always best whenever um, we can get more people involved as possible to be able to share uh, you know what they're going through I think there's strength in numbers so is is there any way that um, that you would like for people to reach out to you uh, sure uh, if they can uh, email me my email address is n n e e l u one two three at AOL.com. Uh, I would definitely appreciate any support, any stories in my support. Like I said, I still have the federal case pending uh, where uh, I want to highlight this problem uh, and to the extent that, you know, it, it's because in every case that gets dismissed, it gives more power to the people who are the perpetrators of such uh, you know social crimes sure. so that's why I want to make my case stronger and anybody who wants to support write me a letter that I can submit in court uh, I would really appreciate it because well, it does make stronger for sure all of us well I'll tell you what I will do so any listeners who are listening now uh, in the notes from the show I am going to uh, if it's alright with you Dr. Upal I'll put your email address in the notes of the show so if anyone does have uh, any stories that they would like to share or any support that they would like to share with you they can get in contact with you there as well and that that might make it easier for people to be able to find your information yes sure okay great well, it's been a real pleasure to talk to you. We're, I'm just about out of time uh, on this end of things, but I was wondering, is there anything else that you would like to discuss that we haven't been able to in the short time we have? Um, I've got about three minutes left that I'll be able to record today, and I just wanted to make sure we covered any bases that you wanted to cover. Uh, yes, we have covered most of the bases, and uh, I would... In the end, just want to encourage women who are struggling uh, with sexual harassment or oppression in any of their uh, areas that, you know, uh, to reach out to me or find a support system where we can all uh, uh, try to fight against this social problem existing in the system right now. Uh, hopefully, we can, uh, uh, together, we can... Um, uh, be successful like they say united we stand so that's all I would want to say certainly 
Now on a topic that's completely different, uh, completely off topic, I'm just curious, how is the weather in New York right now? You know what? Today, actually, I'm in Florida. Oh, no. <laughs> so I'm here for the cycle. I'll be there tomorrow. <laughs> so you are in a hot place right now, that's for sure. I am in a scorching hot place oh, today. Oh, well, my goodness. Well, I wish you a safe travel back to New York whenever you go. I, I want to thank you for taking time to share some of your story with us today and what you've been through. And I know that hopefully your story can bring courage to a lot of people who uh, have found themselves in a similar place. And I know it takes a lot of bravery uh, for you to begin to speak out on matters like this. And so I want to really sincerely from the bottom of my heart thank you for, for taking time to share about this. And uh, we will make sure and put your information um, on my website at uh, rickleyjames.podbean.com and rickleyjames.com where you can find information to contact Dr. Upal. So Dr. Neelam Upal, thank you for being one of the voices in my head this week. Thank you so much for having me on. Have you ever thought to yourself, man, I'd like to host my own podcast? Well, guess what? You can go to podbean.com slash voices and get everything you need to create, manage, and promote your podcast. I use Podbean every week for voices in my head. There's easy uploading and publishing tools, stunning templates, custom domains, social and promotional tools, an embeddable podcast player, monetization tools, and more. It is your all-in-one podcasting solution. With Podbean, you can create professional podcasts in minutes without any programming knowledge. Best of all, everything is mobile-ready right from the start. So go to podbean.com slash voices. And when you sign up, use the code VOICES and you'll get a sizable discount. Podbean, for your home podcasting. Thank you for listening to Voices in My Head. Thank you for joining me here this week on the Voices in My Head podcast. I hope you'll visit me on my website at rickleyjames.com, follow me on Twitter at rickleyjames, like my artist page on Facebook at facebook.com slash rickleyjames, and keep up to date on what I'm writing at my author page on amazon.com. Make sure to follow my calendar on the website, and if you would like to have me come to your town to do a concert, a speaking engagement, or a book event, you can book me through my website by clicking on the link for Pair Booking Agency. That's P-A-R-E Booking. And finally, it would mean the world to me if you were to leave me a review of this podcast on iTunes. The more positive reviews that we receive, the more visible this podcast is on the internet. And now the benediction. May the God of peace, who raised Christ from the dead, strengthen your inner being for every good work. And may the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, rest upon you and dwell within you this day and forevermore. Amen.